Terry Bonadonna here along with, I was going to say second-year Thunderbolts manager Brian Smith. You consider yourself second-year manager or third-year manager? We'll go with third-year. Third-year, second season anyway. Yeah. Uh, thing, how are things different this time around? Um, you know, kind of like in 19, we came in with fresh faces, Kevin and I and, and Ollie in 19. We didn't really know anybody on the roster. Thinking 2020, we would know a good portion of the guys coming back from the 2019 team and that obviously didn't happen and the roster changed again from 2020 to 2021 and we're sitting in that same position where you know we had one offensive player back from 2019 and I think five pitchers back so we had 30 guys in camp that we had never seen before so it was back to that same uh, that same watchful eye that we needed to make sure we did our homework each day on 30 guys instead of what would have been 21 back in, in 20. It's it's such a weird situation for you because 19 was your first year. So you were thrown into it, not in the middle of the offseason. You were hired, I think, in November. So you had almost an entire offseason to build a roster. But you really haven't had a normal offseason because the first year, you're in your first year. The second year, I guess, 19 to 20 was a normal offseason. It just never actually materialized into a season. And then this was... It's the weirdest offseason you're ever going to have, no matter how long you're in the game. It's got to be so difficult for you to get into a routine in terms of contacting guys and, and trying to get them to play here and really not knowing a lot of times what to tell them. Yeah, and that was the, the most difficult part moving into 2021 was we still had uncertainties until February when the schedule came out. Like Guys were asking all these questions, and we didn't have any answers. And I don't... I don't feel bad about not having answers because it's more of a league situation and you know we work for the league and we're following their orders but as a player i would have been frustrated not knowing anything that late three months before you got to be here um because our season could have started in april like it typically does and it got pushed back which is great and obviously hopefully we reap some benefits of the weather but yeah the off season's been it's it's been frustrating at times it's been fun at others and we'll see what it uh, what it looks like with player releases from affiliated ball and how it all goes this season because we're working with a shortened draft again and other players that are going to be available and hopefully you know we can run into those right guys like we did in this prior to this season with guys becoming available a few days before spring training started and we just got to keep that eye out. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a team make quite as many moves just in the two weeks before spring training as you made this year, where it seemed like every other day there was a new signing being made. And part of that, though, is too because guys are exiting probably closer to the start of the season than they normally would as well. Did you feel like this year compared to, I'll say compared to 19, because in 20 we never really got that close to the season to begin with, but uh, was it different this year compared to last time around in terms of the build-up to spring training? Yeah, that was the one thing that we were so uncertain about because there were a handful of guys who wanted to play, had jobs for the last 18 months, weren't sure if they wanted to step away from those jobs, were these career choices that they were willing to step away from the game from, and I gave them the flexibility and the freedom to make that decision when they were ready. And I didn't want to put pressure on them because that's the last thing during a crazy off season you want to do is tell a guy, I need to know in 24 hours what your decision is going to be. And when they ask me questions about when the season's going to start, I don't have answers. I didn't want to be in that situation as a player. So I didn't want to put these guys through them. And unfortunately we lost a handful of 
really good players that last week leading up to spring training. And that's just how it works. And we'll move through it. It happens to everybody. Every roster had crazy moves. They're still happening now because guys are just realizing they don't want to play anymore. So we're not the only guys in this situation, but it was difficult going into that final that final two-week stretch before spring training. Yeah, I guess one of the good things about all this is from a player procurement standpoint, everybody is in the same boat. I mean, you talked earlier about how you would call guys over the winter and not have any answers for them. They can't exactly say, well, I'll just go to Gateway or Southern Illinois. They'll have answers for me because nobody did. Right. Uh, have you talked to other managers around the league? Have they had similar difficulties about just trying to figure out what they're going to do with their roster? Yeah, they all at the tryout were talking about how our expectation of available players moving into 2021 was that there were going to be a lot more affiliated guys available because of the downsizing of minor league baseball. And yes, there are 40 teams worth of guys available, but those guys all don't want to continue to play. And those were the guys that everybody reached out to because a lot of quality guys got released. And if they don't want to play, they don't want to play. So them being, you know, in air quotes, available doesn't really do anything for you if half of them don't return their calls because they're hanging them up. And that's where everybody thought they were going to fill up their roster with all these affiliated guys. And a lot of guys didn't. A lot of guys who believed there were going to be more cuts in spring training were left short for our spring training because guys weren't released in affiliated spring training as often as they typically are. I'm really interested in the way things have developed, the way you're talking about, because it really has played out the exact opposite of the way that I thought it would play out. My guess was that there were going to be a lot more players battling for spots this year because they probably weren't doing anything the last 18 months, where they were probably gearing up to play in 2020 when that season was canceled. I thought there were more people like me kind of sitting at home with nothing to do because there weren't any jobs available. But I found in talking to you and in talking to other people, it really has been the opposite, where people were somewhere finding jobs. I don't know where they're working because everything seems like it was closed in the last year, but uh, they were finding jobs. And so instead of saying, well, now I've got to come back for another year, they're saying, well, I've already moved on with my life. Uh, And I think that's it's really been a difficult thing to predict. Were you more in my camp coming in, or did you expect it to play out a little bit more the way it has? No, I was on the same page as you. I just anticipated guys were preparing to be baseball players for an additional 18 months. And you think about it and go, man, the things you can do in 18 months to make yourself better. But at the same time, you have to think about being locked down for six of those months and gyms not being open and climates not really being in your favor if you're from Chicago and, you know, guys who have to figure out how to throw in their basements or in freezing cold parks. Yeah, it's one thing to say these are the things you can do in 18 months. It's another to say these are the things you could do in these specific past 18 months. Right, and and they had to be shut down for, what, four of them, and then slowly things started to reopen, and then they locked them back down again. So guys were doing things outside. It was summertime. Everything was locked down. It really didn't phase them that much. And then things started to reopen, so they got hot again. And then winter came and everything got shut back down. And they had to be stuck at home because you can't do anything outside in Chicago or Detroit or New York outside or you'll die. Well, we've made it this far. Uh, Here we are now finally at the precipice of the season. You've been watching these guys in spring training the last several weeks. Compared to what you've been envisioning now for 18 months plus, how do you feel about what you've seen over the last couple of weeks out of these guys? I'm... I'm excited about our offense, which leading up to, you know, two or three weeks before spring training, I was still looking for the right guys to come in 
and be the catalyst to the offense. Um, you know, bringing back Bryn Martinez was great. I'm glad he decided to continue to play. He was you know, recently engaged. He's getting married in the fall. And that's a tough decision for a guy like that to make. But he's worked his butt off the last 16 months, 18 months to, to be ready for this. And the offense has showed, um, you know, the back of their baseball card, basically, which we went a complete 180 from the 19 roster looking for guys who take their walks, high on base guys, guys that can run a little bit to try to mix things up a little bit to give our, our pitching staff a chance to breathe a little bit and not stress so much on the mound. And I honestly thought that the pitchers would be way ahead of the hitters at this time because they typically are. But the one thing I didn't take into consideration is the creatures of habit the pitchers become. And when you're inside training for 18 months, you fall into bad habits. Your, you know, your, your pace, your set times, your time to the plate, your leg lifts, you typically just work the same thing all the time. Guys aren't working with adrenaline or out of slide steps or changing up their regular leg lift to a flex step. You know, their holds, they're not working on that in the offseason. That's not things you work on. You work on it when you get to spring training and you're ready to roll. And just like we saw with, you know, Joliet and Schaumburg as well, some of these pitchers, they still aren't, up to speed with the game. So they're getting run on nonstop because they need to get back into that that routine of holding runners on and making their picks and not just worried about them and the catcher and the fingers that they put down. That's really interesting because this really has been a pitching-dominated league for a long time. For many years it has. Uh, almost really the last decade it's been dominated by pitching. And again, we've already established that. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I assumed that coming into this year it was going to take another step in that direction because my thought was hitters' timing is going to be off up and down the league. Do you think, obviously, very small sample size, you've seen Windy City, Joliet, and Schaumburg. You've been out here only a couple of weeks, but uh, do you think that that is proving not to be the case, or do you think it's things are going to settle in? No, I think they'll settle in, and the pitchers will get back into their swing of things. But if they don't, if they don't transition as fast as I hope they do, the first couple of weeks could be interesting with... You know, guys running all over them and catchers having to work extra hard to try to stop that from happening. And I just think it's a stress level that the pitchers haven't put on themselves in so long. And that's something that we're trying to take advantage of, of other teams when we see it happening. And uh, I do think it'll all flatten out. Pitchers will dominate this league. It'll be the what it's been the last 15 years. Um, I don't really see that dramatic of a change because of the, the break or the players available. All right, I want to take a deviation from talking about the current Thunderbolts because there's been something th- something I've been thinking a lot about over the last week, uh, and that's Tommy Nance, who got called up to the Cubs last week. Uh, at the time of this recording, I think he's appeared in four games with the Cubs, and he's been completely dominant with them. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about him, obviously because he's you know on my TV, but also because... Uh, I was sitting in this press box in the same chair that I'm sitting in right now six years ago watching him pitch in a spring training game uh, at Ozinga Field, which was then Standard Bank Stadium, and he got lit up. And I'm sitting up here. I don't know much about these guys. I've seen them you know, play once or twice, and I immediately see this and say, well, that guy's not making the team. And here we are six years later from he's not going to make the Thunderbolts to he's dominating in the major leagues. And it just gets me to think of how crazy these spring trainings are. You get so little time to evaluate guys that – 
you've looked at their baseball reference page, you've talked to them on the phone, you've maybe talked to their college coaches, but you know so little about these guys. You really haven't seen most of them up close and personal. First of all, you were on the coaching staff the year that, that Tommy Nance was here, and maybe he just pitched bad that, badly that one day. Was there ever any thought of getting rid of him? And then secondly, how do you evaluate guys like that in such a small sample size? Yeah, I mean, there were talks throughout the 2015 season. It was 2015, right? Mm-hmm. The 2015 season um, of letting Tommy go because he had command issues. And for a kid who had elbow injuries when he was in college, he didn't really throw that much um, leading up to the season. But overall stuff was there. His his velocity wasn't, but you know the way he threw it, the way it came out of his hand, how repeatable his delivery was, um, and his breaking ball all stood out. And as the season went on, you know he only got better. And towards the end of that year, we started giving him the ball at the back end to close games because he was ready. It, it took 20 appearances, whatever it did, for him to click. But being such a big guy, he had issues repeating. His delivery was super smooth, so it's easy to repeat. But the larger you are, the harder it is. So it just took him time. And the, the kid worked his butt off every day. You won't find a nicer kid in the world. And, you know, Marissa, my wife, worked here at the time. She worked with Tommy for an event we had on the field for an ice, bu- ice bucket challenge. And he's, he was the nicest kid at that time. And he and I still have been texting for five years. And it's, it, it, made, it made us so happy to see all the work he put in pay off because you don't see 30-year-old first-time big leaguers. And typically you don't see guys who have no affiliated background start an indie ball make it to the big leagues. Typically, you see guys who have had some affiliated ball go back to indie ball, then get picked back up and get there. But for a kid who went undrafted, nobody knew about him, nobody cared about him. You know, we treated him with respect. He treated us with respect, and he got what he deserved. Yeah, it's really a great story, and I know everybody with Thunderbolts is happy for him. Everybody in the Frontier League is happy for him, and it's an inspiration to anybody who's here right now but it also, I think, really highlights the fact that all of these guys' careers are just teetering on, on the head of a pin. I mean, it, it's such an ephemeral thing, a baseball career. Uh, you never know exactly when it's going to go away. And if we look at Tommy Nance as just a sample case, he had an ERA around 7 on July 1st of that season. He was with the Thunderbolts. If he had gotten released that day, nobody would have thought twice about it. R- rookie pitcher, 7 ERA, of course he's gone. And nobody would have signed him probably because they would have looked at his numbers and said, forget him. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he may have been inches away from the chopping block and he persisted and he ended up in the major leagues. And obviously that's an extreme example. That doesn't happen very often. But when you go down to the clubhouse and you see these guys now who are at this point still fighting for a job just on this year's team, let alone making it into affiliated ball and eventually making it to the major leagues. What sort of drive do these players have? And what kind of, how does your brain have to be wired to be in an atmosphere like that? Yeah. And the- you know, to go back to your second question of the first set, um, how difficult it is to evaluate these guys in such little time. Like we evaluate them in the clubhouse, on the home, the roadside, and we evaluate them when they're getting loose. All these little things that sometimes players don't care too much about, it means the world to the coaching staff. And we're not asking guys to be a teacher's pet. That's the last thing we want. But we want guys to be themselves. We want them to be sincere and courteous how they treat us the front office the interns you know you it it means a lot to us to know that we have guys that we can trust on and off the field 
And their play is what's going to make the team. But if they're in a tie or a battle with another guy to make the team, the one who we know we can trust you know, to, to date our daughter, to babysit our kid, is the one who's going to get the job. And that's why you know, every year all-stars get cut from spring training in this league. Somebody picks up somebody, and that guy's an all-star. Everybody's going to make a mistake because everybody has the potential to have two bad outings in a spring training and get cut. And that's not our fault that we see what we see. And like I said about us coming in in 19, being a new staff, it was the same thing this year. Like We knew what to expect from certain pitchers because we had seen them before. We knew what to expect from certain hitters because we had played against them in this league before. So they kind of had the upper hand. But also if they didn't perform well, you know, they'd be out of luck as well. So it's, it's not the easiest thing to do to release a guy who performs well in spring training because that's all you get to see. You just, you know, you hope for the best for us as an organization and for the kid himself, you know, and I'll, I'll go back to this every year. We released Pat Leday in 2019 and the kid's an all-star in Lake Erie and he deserved to be an all-star. He dominated every start he made in 19 in spring training. He didn't do that with us. And that's, again, that's no fault to the kid. We just went in blind, not knowing anything about him. And he was a fringe player the year before. So it's, it's just how the guy takes the cut. And like you said, you cut a kid and his career could be over. And you don't want to be the one to do that. You want them to take the initiative and, and work twice as hard to find another job. Let's stop pussyfooting around and get into this year's squad. I know that's what everybody wants to hear about. How are the Thunderbolts going to do this year? Uh, look at the starting rotation. And you've got four guys. Well, technically three guys are returning players. Jake Fisher is returning from a long time ago. But, I mean, that's, that's rare in any year, let alone after taking a year off, that you've got four guys back on your starting rotation who you are familiar with, who you've seen before pitch for the Thunderbolts. Do you see that as a strength of this team? Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, that's kind of what we expect when we give the ball to Tyler Thornton on opening day. I mean, we, we know what we're going to get out of him. You know, he's going to compete in the strike zone, and that's the one thing that Kevin and I have talked about all winter was knowing that – Thornton, Kenny Matthews, Belair, and Fish all have a history, a track record of being strike throwers. And that'll give us the best chance to win. You know, both of us, we just sigh when we're in the dugout and guys have no command. It just bothers us. And as a guy who, who pitched in this league and I had a, a gift to throw strikes, I appreciate guys who go out there and battle in the strike zone. They may not have the most electric stuff, but they at least compete in the strike zone. Half the fields, 80% of the fields have turf. Everybody plays good defense nowadays. You can look up and down those, those stats on point streak. Defenses are great. So as long as you throw strikes, you're going to give, your chance, give yourself a chance to win because hitting is down everywhere. It is more difficult to hit now more than ever. So if you give them free bases, there's a good chance you're going to screw it up. If you don't, you're going to win the battle eight times out of ten. The bullpen, we talked about the familiarity with the starting pitchers. The bullpen is the opposite because there are a lot of new names there. But uh, one name is not new, and that's at the, the back end. I assume the back end, Dylan Prohoroff, who was here in 19, got picked up by the Brewers, released, and now he's back. How, is impor how important is it to have him back at the end of that bullpen? It's, it's huge now, looking back at when he and I talked in the wintertime. Um, you know, the Brewers had given him a 
uh, a release and kind of hang on. Like they weren't sure what they were going to do with him, if they were going to re-sign him or not. So Dylan and I had stayed in touch since the season of 19. Um, but having him and Colby Blueberg in the back end of the bullpen made the last four months super comfortable, knowing that we're going to have two guys that can handle the back end, who compete in the strike zone, and who have done it before here with us and at other levels. Um, and then having an unfortunate accident with, with Blueberg um, about two weeks ago and him getting hurt, it kind of cost us that that 8-9 comfort level that we have. So we went into spring training hoping to find somebody to break out and earn that, that eighth inning role. Um, so we're going we're gonna to go in with, like you said, we're going to go in with fresh faces into this bullpen and we're going to come out at one end and I hope there's somebody who who goes in and earns a spot just like just like I did in 2011. I went in as the 12th guy on the pitching staff and it took a few weeks. It took a few outings. It took until July for me to earn a back end of the bullpen spot. So we have a couple guys that are going to make the team this year that I hope they can step up and earn those positions. Looking at the offense, uh, we talked earlier about the fact that you've made a lot of changes just in the buildup to spring training. Uh, nowhere is that more clear than in the outfield where you've got uh, Zach Taylor, Zach Rakusen, and Dan Robinson. And on a given day, they may be your three starters in the outfield. And a month ago, none of them were here. How important was it to be able to find guys like that so close to the start of the season? And guys that, by the looks of things, at least probably you can you can rely on. Yeah, being able to count on guys like Dan Robinson, Zach Taylor, and Zach Rakusen, it's, it's comforting because, one, Zach's played in this league before. Zach Rakusen's played in this league before, and he's been successful. And... Daniel Robinson and Zach Taylor have a history of being on base a lot and stealing a lot of bases. And if those guys can play to the back of their baseball card, Zach Rakusen's had the best spring training out of everybody on the team. That is a professional hitter. He comes prepared every single day. We love him as a coaching staff because he wants to hit. He's asked us numerous times. You know, He doesn't care where he plays on the field as long as he gets to hit. So if he's playing second base, or third base, or the outfield, doesn't matter. Dude just wants to hit. And we love guys like that. Guys who have had success in this league and guys that are excited to come to the ballpark every day. It's not a drag for him to be here at 9.30 every day during spring training or at 7 at night on a Saturday and then 8 a.m. the next day for a 10 a.m. game. The kid loves it. And we love having that. Um, and, again, Dan Robinson and Zach Taylor, I've personally seen before. And it's nice to know that I've seen them play at their best and I know what to expect out of them. On the infield, you talk about guys you like with, with past Frontier League experience. Jamie Smart, I would assume, is kind of locked in at first base right now and Bryn Martinez at shortstop. And those guys have had a lot of Frontier League success back in 2019. Both were uh, two of the top players at their positions in the league. Uh, what are we looking at the rest of the infield? Yeah, you know, like you said, Bryn and Jamie both had fantastic rookie years in 2019 where everybody in the league wanted those two guys on their roster moving into the postseason. Um, Bryn's just electric personality on and off the field, and um, hopefully he and Jamie both can stay healthy this year and continue to give us the 90-plus games and produce like we expect them to. Um, the other two spots, really, it's going to be um, – it's going to be a bit of a toss-up on how we how we do things. You know, we've always we've always wanted to give Kenny Matthews 
a more defensive third baseman because of the amount of balls he gets hit that way. And we've always wanted to give Tyler Thornton a more of a defensive second baseman because of the way balls get hit that way. So we may have some maneuvering of our second and third baseman just so that we give them the best defense we can that day because we expect those guys to go deep into ballgames. Um, Jack Strunz, uh, Jose Reyes, Jose Reyes, Joseph, uh, Joseph, Joseph, Reyes. Joseph Reyes, Joseph Reyes and uh, Jack Strunz are two guys that we see getting a lot of the time at third and second base and you know, Strunz being moved from one to the other because of his defensive abilities is something that we're comfortable with. Um, Jarris Richards has had a fantastic spring training, somebody who we had our eye on for the last two years, hoping that he would be the player who he was in spring training, and he's been nothing but electric defensively um, and in the, ba- in the batter's box. Um, and somebody who kind of surprised us as an infielder was Jose Lair. He... Looks like Albert Almora in center field. He plays it so well, and he showed us that he can also have that same that same flair at second base. And we really like seeing it because the three outfielders that you named earlier, you know, those guys have played out there before. Um, and if we need to get an extra bat in the lineup, or if if Jose Lair looks the part, plays the part, and wants to be that big-time second-base center fielder for us, we're going to give him that opportunity. All right, Brian, we'll wrap it up with this question. Obviously, the goal is Frontier League Championship, win as many games as possible, but setting aside the actual on-field goals in terms of results, what are you looking to accomplish this season with the Thunderbolts? At the end of the year, it'll be a successful season if what? You know, and I've been thinking about this answer for a long time. It's... It's definitely not cliche, um, but I don't know what the health of everybody's going to look like this year. And if if we can stay healthy amidst the the pandemic that's going on, um, and the physical health of these athletes, taking the stressful time off, it it means a lot to your body, and you don't know how many hammies may blow because these guys haven't been sprinting or turning on the jets as often as they needed to. Uh, if we can make it through, if we can make it through healthy throughout the season, I think we're going to have a fantastic season with the guys we have on the roster right now. And it's just one of those things where even if you go back to looking at like the bullpen, we have guys that haven't pitched that much the last three years and you just hope they're healthy. They have the stuff to be successful, but if they can't stay healthy, if they can't be available, they're not going to be useful to us in the bullpen. So the, the player's health on and off the field is going to be something that we're going to try to take care of and try to nip in the bud before anything bad happens. But it's, again, the the competitiveness of the guys in the room, they're going to be the right guys, the guys that we expect the most out of, and the guys we can trust. And I think we're in a good position right now. The Thunderbolts open the season Thursday, 7.05, against the Joliet Slammers. Brian Smith will be down in the dugout, the third year manager of the Windy City Thunderbolts. Brian, thank you for your time. Yeah, of course. Good luck this season. Thanks, Terry.